Gibbons and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Clock hour of the Burns and Gambo Show. We are live from the Octane Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We got some introductory press conferences coming up this week. Tomorrow at two o'clock, Nick Rollis, the new defensive coordinator of the Cardinals, will be introduced to the media. Then on the following day, Thursday, February twenty third, offensive coordinator Drew Petzing will be introduced the to the media. Press conference capital of the world Apparently. with the Super Bowl being here. Apparently, it and is. Matt Ishbia's press conference, Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant press conference, mm-hmm. Gannon's yep. press conference, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator's press conference. I said it before, I'll say it again. Mm-hmm. Um, the Petsing offensive coordinator hire okay. is clearly the one that's going to get most of the headlines around here because sure. of Kyler. Offense right? and Kyler. Yeah, yep. because it's a defensive-minded head coach. Who's the OC? Who's the OC? Who's the OC? Okay, now we know that it's Petsing. Now we know that Rollis is going to be the defensive coordinator. And in some ways, he's just as, if not even more interesting than the Petsing hire. Because of the age? Because of the two things. How young he is and how sought after he was. He was sought after. And that's the part of the story I was not expecting at all. To hear that multiple teams were going after him. Yeah. That the Eagles wanted to talk to him and that the Broncos wanted to talk to him. And the multiple teams were like, whoa, 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 hold on a sec. What are you like? Like, I, I, and, I, and shame on me for not knowing this. I should have known this. I had no idea that he was such a commodity. That he was such a guy that everyone looked at and go, oh, yeah, that guy's going to be a defensive coordinator in this league. Get him now. Get him while you can. I had no idea that he was... Of that ilk going into this, right? It was a, a story in the uh, the Athletic that said Petzing is considered a rising star in the coaching business. Last year, he interviewed for the Raiders' offensive coordinator job. He now gets his first coordinator job under Jonathan Gannon, uh, a native Clevelander. Gannon, Petzing, and Browns head coach Steph, uh, Kevin Stefanski all worked together with Minnesota, but they like right they considered him a rising star at 35 years old. One of those. Now, I think there's a lot of guys that have been considered. Rising stars. That's what that gets thrown around a lot. You know, guys that are rising stars. This guy's going to be a great coach, offensive mind, and so I think that does. You know, that that does transfer to a lot of different people. I mean, nobody nobody's hiring an offensive coordinator that's not like you know a, an offensive genius or a rising star. Nobody's like, yeah, his offense is really vanilla, and uh, he's an older guy, and he's just out of it. Like, no, you're hiring somebody that's that fits the Drew Petzing profile. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt, and and the same can be said certainly for for Rollis and how per, you know how pursued he was too, according to a report in the hours after the Cardinals offered Rollis the defensive coordinator's job, multiple teams tried to lure him away from the gig and join their club instead, according. to Tom Pelissero. While it's unclear which teams attempted to snatch him away from Arizona at the last second, Ian Rappaport did note the Broncos and the Eagles, Rollis's former team, both had defensive coordinator job openings and interest in Rollis. And then there's this other note from, from Peter King when talking about the staff and how young everybody is with the Cardinals. I mean, this is, it, it, and I, I'm not saying this is a bad thing necessarily because this might be a trend in the NFL, but Jonathan Gannon, 35 years, two months. Morales, 29 years, seven months. Petzing, 35 years, 11 months. He writes it has to be one of the youngest trios, or maybe the youngest trio, to ever lead an NFL team. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's got to be. Not, 
I don't know. Does that bother you? Let's talk about this for a second. Does the age and and because you know you Gaddon's got fifteen years of experience. He's been in the league since okay. he was twenty five years old. There's a lot of experience there. It bothers me a little only because it was my desire to have them hire a head coach with okay. previous coaching experience. But can I offer a caveat to this? Of course. If they hire Mike Zimmer to be to some oversee. special consultant guy on the coaching staff, right? Senior executive assistant to the whatever, 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 um, then I'd be fine with it. I, I think this team, with as young as they are, it's not a problem. I do think they need to bring in a real experienced voice in the room. Now, is that Jeff Rogers, the special teams coordinator who has been in the league for 19 years and has worked for like five different organizations? Can I say, can I say something on Zimmer, though? Sure, please, yeah. Okay. Zimmer's a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. Gannon's got the defense pretty much covered. You hired him. I mean, now I think he could be a nice advisor. Now, he was a former head coach. That's what I mean, because he's a former head coach. Okay. I almost don't care if he's offensive or defense. Just like somebody in the room who does, who will bring up the average age in the room a little bit, you know, just just to balance it out a little bit. Bruce right? had that, what was it, Tom Moore? Uh-huh. And that guy, Bruce was old. Yeah. And he had a, like, and I want an advisor. <laughs> that I guy want... was like 15 years older than Bruce, if I remember right. Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you know, age is wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so the, you, if you hire somebody, so Zimmer, even though he's a defensive guy, I mean, just a voice to, I need to run some things by you. You know, am I doing the right thing here? Like, I made these decisions. Like, I understand that. I think Zimmer would be great for that role. But I do think, again, his expertise is on a different side of the ball. Petzing is going to be, you know, he's got a lot He's got a lot to figure out. I mean, he's got, there's a big investment in Kyler Murray, and they're going to be entrusting him with trying to get the most out of Kyler. And they could hire a senior assistant for the offensive side of the ball, too. I mean, that wouldn't be, and, and I mean, now there are reports of all sorts of assistants who are about to come. Come into the fold, a wide receivers coach, an offensive line coach, of this coach, of that coach. We'll get a better idea. The other thing about, I'm going to go back to Rollis now. The other thing about him and Gannon and everyone's connecting dots on this one, there are like seven or eight free agents on the on the Eagles. Of course. And so everyone's now Starters, trying to figure yep. out, are they going to migrate to Arizona? Are they going to follow Gannon? Are they going to follow Rollis? Are they going to come with those guys? Some of them you would want. Some of them you wouldn't. Some of them are going to be expensive. A lot of them are in like the top 50 free agents available. If you look at the list, I think there's like five or six Philadelphia Eagles that are in the top 50. A lot of them are on the defensive side of the football. How many of them follow? How many do the Cardinals pursue to try to get them to follow? That's going to be kind of the next phase of this Eagle story because I would imagine there's going to be interest in a few of those guys. There should be. Because if you're the head coach, I mean, what better way to kind of get your system going and to have guys that know it and played for you and believe in you and can really win over the locker room and help you win over that locker room um, because they played for you. They can, they can, they can be that uh, connection between the player and the coach to say, hey, listen, I'm telling you, this guy's like, this guy's great. Do this. Yeah, it really worked for us. And, and it bounce ideas off. If somebody's re- not really understanding something, you could go to a player that's been in the system and have that guy teach you on off hours. You know, So I do think that there's a benefit to adding some players from the old old team. The name that I saw connected with the Cardinals today was TJ. There are actually two I saw connected with the Cardinals. Yeah. TJ Edwards, the linebacker. Um, I saw a tweet from, I can't remember who now. I'd have to go back and look through my notes. He said, hey, keep an eye for the Cardinals for TJ Edwards. He could come in and be a guy who could be like the centerpiece of the defense. Um, and then the other guy was James Bradbury. Right. James Bradbury was linked to the Cardinals through a story they did on ESPN.com where they named the 50 top free agents 
in the NFL and where the best destination would be for them. They listed the Cardinals for James Bradbury. They said this would be the best fit for him. Yeah. The thing that worries me about Bradbury is when he wants to cash in. I mean, and Edwards in some ways, too. Edwards was undrafted. 2019, he was undrafted. And now he's seeking his first big contract because he had a really big year for Philly. So he's seeking a big deal. So you look at the two guys that are really looking to cash in right now based on the way they played last year for a team that went to the Super Bowl. That scares me a little bit. Now, Edwards is 27. Do you need the linebacker help? I mean, you've got Zavin, you've got Isaiah, <laughs> unless they figure that they're going to play Isaiah somewhere else. Ding, ding, ding. That, that to me is where would be the first clue that Isaiah is not going to be a linebacker. If they went out and got a guy like mm-hmm, Edwards, mm-hmm, yeah. potentially, like where you could see Isaiah Simmons being moved around, you know, moved somewhere off of linebacker a little bit right. and maybe playing more in the slot or more safety or more whatever. Sure. Yeah. Now, this, the, 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 the Eagles did. Avoid uh, the contracts of four players yesterday. Bradbury and Edwards were two of those players. They're saving about 18. They're taking a dead cap hit of about $18 million. The other ones were defensive tackle Javon Hargrave and linebacker Kazir White. So a lot of dead money coming with those four guys, but they did avoid uh, the contracts of those players. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with all of that. And then we'll give you an update coming up in a little bit on some of the offensive coaches that the Cardinals might add in addition to Petsing. Just announced Guns N' Roses. They are Heading to Chase Field on October 11th. Tickets will go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair right now. Just text the word ROSES to 62620. Again, that's ROSES to 620-620. Welcome to the jungle, Guns N' Roses fans. Matt Ishbia, certainly a big factor in the Suns landing Kevin Durant. How much say does he have? How much say will he have? And most importantly, how much money is he going to spend? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The question to Matt Ishbia from Sports Illustrated when referring to the Kevin Durant trade How risky is this deal? The answer, quote, I think there is no risk. I don't look at it as a risk at all. I look at it as a vision and a decision. And you go with your decisions and you run with it. It doesn't mean everything's going to work out or that we're going to win multiple championships and you know it was right. You have to play the games. However, I don't look at it like a risk at all. I know what the vision is. I'm going to own this team for 50 years. So, like, zero risk. Close quote. Zero risk. Zero risk. Hmm. I mean, it's not zero. I mean, it's. I would agree with you. It's not zero, but I like the attitude. That's for damn sure. Yeah, listen, as all of these moves... Uh, like like the move they made for Kevin Durant does have risk. Uh, a lot of GMs would have made that move, and some wouldn't have made that move. I mean, Agreed. you're giving up Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, two younger players who are really good players, and you're giving up you know four first round draft picks, completely unprotected, spread out over time, and a pick swap. And some people may have deemed that too risky. Well, you, uh, we had Kevin Pelton on Friday. And even he said, like, initially, I gave the Suns an A, I gave the Nets a B in the deal. And in retrospect, I should probably bump up the Nets grade a little bit. I was after Mikhail put 45 on somebody. Because the Suns gave up. He's like, the Suns gave up a lot to get Kevin Durant. They did. A ton. They did. But there's risk in that. Like, you know, I mean, 
if, if Kevin Durant falters and they don't win a championship, you may look back and regret it. You may look back and say, oh, I wish they wouldn't have done that. But I, everybody likes the fact that they're all in. You want an owner that's all in. You want an owner committed to spending. I mean, it's the one thing you can say. He's committed to winning. He doesn't care about the luxury tax right now. He, he had to understand what the luxury tax was. Then once he understood it, it was a couple of seconds. And, hey, we're not, we're going to make money, he said. That, we're, I'm not worried about making money. Yeah, that was another quote from the article. Like, it took us five seconds to decide to go into the luxury tax like that. It's like, we'll, we'll make right. money. I'm not worried about it. I think that, okay, there's no question. If, if the Suns don't win a championship with Kevin Durant, Will people say, ah, oh, you shouldn't have done it in retrospect. You gave up a bunch. It didn't work out. I, I, I just don't think he's going to do that. Like, you might do that. I might do that. Joe Blow Suns fan might do that. I don't think Matt Ishbia is going to go, you know what? On second thought, we shouldn't have done that. I, I just, I get the, now I know these are just quotes, and I know he's probably, there's a little bit of spin here, but I don't get the impression that he's looking at this like, you know, I might rue the day that I went for it with Kevin Durant. The fan base might feel that way about it. And if it fails, people might come out of the woodwork and say you shouldn't have done this. I just don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to have any regrets about it. I don't think the fans will either. I might be wrong here. But I, I mean, I think you're a, you're a long-suffering fan base. A long-suffering fan base. And they just went and got one of the greatest players that's ever played this game. And they gave up a lot to get him. But I think you understand they're committed to winning. They're not doing this to save money. They're doing this to try to win. So I don't think the fans are going to... There's maybe some fans that didn't like the trade, but... It's hard to hate the trade, right? You may love the trade, like the trade, or disagree with the trade, but I don't think everybody's like, oh, I hate this trade. I can't believe it. This KD guy's washed up. He, no, he still plays the game at the highest level. He's question. having one of his best years ever right now. The only thing you worry about is the the injuries. Not I don't worry about the age as much. I worry about the injuries. Yeah. The age hasn't slowed him down. The injuries have. Yeah, no, I worry about the injuries. I don't worry about the age. And I certainly don't worry about the fit on the floor with him and Book the way I would worry about it if I were a Mavs fan and Kyrie. The way I would worry about it. Frankly, if I were a Clippers fan, I worry about how Russell Westbrook is going to fit with that crew. I don't know if that's a perfect fit or not. Go yeah, ahead. it might not be a good fit. Is the is the Diamondbacks World Series an equal comparison? And and but let me explain why they didn't give up the draft picks and the players to assemble that roster. They gave up their future. Yep. They were paying $25 million a year to guys that were retired up until about three years ago. Did So they went all in to win that championship. They didn't, you, you couldn't see what they gave up as far as, like with the Suns, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and first round draft picks, four different years. And what the, what the, what they, nobody, they didn't give up anything to get Kurt Schilling. They gave up four guys that were nobodies. Mm-hmm. What they gave up was they 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 paid Peter to Rob Paul. I'm going to pay you guys long after you're gone. You'll be you'll be making your money with interest. Look, but it was a sacrifice because they won a championship. Hell yeah, it was worth it. Okay, but if they hadn't and won it, and that's and that's the hypothetical I'm playing in my mind right now. If the if the Diamondbacks had not won the World Series in 2001, would I have said it was all worth it? What I've said in my mind, hey, you know what? Good for you guys. You, you gave it your best shot. You it was, went for it. It was 15, plus, 15 to 20 years of, of not being oh, I know. able to field a, a proper team because you were paying $25 million to guys who weren't there. Yeah. Oh, I trust me. I know. I, and and it's, it's so easy now to look back on it and say, oh, yeah, absolutely. It was great. It was awesome because they won a championship. If they hadn't, I don't know how I'd feel about it if they hadn't. I really don't. I, I mean, I'd like to think because I'm consistent. 
that I would have said, great, I'm glad they went for it. I'm glad they gave it a shot. It's too bad it didn't work out. They had a hell of a team. That was a hell of a roster. They should have won a World Series with those guys. I'd like to think I would think that, but I don't know. If they had won a champion, if they hadn't won a championship, I might very well have been. But this is okay. This is different, and here's the reason why: the Diamondbacks, when they made that move for Randy, and then later for Kurt, they were two years old. They were three years old when they won the World Series in 2001. This organiz- there wasn't a long-suffering fan base. This organization has been around since the late 60s. That's, it, the, it, that's, it, that's the point. It, it matters. That, that changes the equation, right? Because you can say for the Diamondbacks, hey, it wasn't worth it. You didn't need to make a splash like that early on. It wasn't necessary for you to go all in at basically what was the birth of the franchise, right? You had some grace period with the fans where you could be okay for a few years. The Suns have been thirsting for a championship for 50 years. That's what makes it different. That's where you go. I don't care if it doesn't work. I just thank God you went for it. Thank God you tried. Thank God you didn't say no. And you didn't say, oh, you know what? Too rich for our blood. We just can't give all that stuff up. That that would have been That's why I don't think the tragic. fans would be upset if it, if it didn't work out. No, but you've, not that this is a you thing, but you've smartly on occasion brought up this idea of, hey, three or, three or four years from now when Durant's gone and Paul's gone and you don't have any of those draft picks, you know, you might not be able to sustain this and well, you might be paying for this for a certain this is the only thing that I, I, you know, out of this whole story, it's the one thing I disagreed with. You know, when you look at what Matt Ishby is saying, I'm just trying to get to the the story to say it exactly. But he talked about how we're still going to be winning. And I got it right here. 27, 20. Read, read, read this part because this is the only part I think like, OK, this is not realistic. It's just not. Quote, this is not about just winning this year. We're going to win again in 27 and 29 and 31. We're going to try to win all the time. No, you're not. I'm not into the planning to win phase. I'm in the let's win today phase. Let's win tomorrow phase. But you're going to find out that the worst thing that you could be in this league, especially here in Phoenix, is mediocre. Okay, the fans would prefer you be either really good or really bad. They tune you out in this town when you're mediocre, when you're the eighth seed and you're going to get bounced in the first round. Jerry Colangelo did it. Let me go get Rodney Rogers and Tony Delk and just try not to be in the lottery. Let me try to win. It was awful basketball. It was, but I'll tell you what. All those years when the Suns under Sarver were middling around at 22, 25, 26 wins. Yeah. Wouldn't you have taken an eight seed every now and then just to give you a little bit of a morsel? No, no not even no, one. Because it was always the draft. It was always the, oh. the the Josh Jackson draft. Could you have gotten Tatum? Could you? Who are you going to get? It was DeAndre Ayton. It was always the draft. It was always the yeah. hey. If you're gonna, if you're not, if you have no chance to win it, if you have zero chance of winning it, why not be bad? Because you were always trying to play the lottery. The lottery got him Devin Booker. The lottery got him DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, the lottery, the lottery also got, got him, him Mikhail, Mikhail Bridges. Also got him Josh Jackson. I know, I know. Also, but I know. also got him you know, Marquise Chris. Also uh, got him Dragon Bender. The, the lottery taketh, the lottery giveth, you know. Right, but Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. You know, these are Mikhail Bridges, yeah, Cam just, Johnson. In retrospect, I know in the moment we were doing all, we were all doing the ping pong Counting thing, and we were doing the tankathon.com thing. Looking back on it, at some point during that six year stretch of awfulness, a season where they were the eighth seed in the NBA playoffs, a little mediocrity would have been a welcome would you island get, of okay, relief. The last it question really before we break. It, would you give up a first round draft pick unprotected to go get a player who might help you be the seventh seed? Um, 
<laughs> it depends on who the player ended up being. Uh, Dragon Bender, sure, take him. <laughs> no, would you? Josh would you? Jackson, get, no, would you give up a future first round pick? That's what I'm saying. Would you, you give up a draft pick? Mediocrity, no. Not and, to and maintain that's why mediocrity. I'm saying sometimes yeah. what he's saying is actually not going to be right. He's going to learn this. It's a, it, it's not right. Sometimes you're going to want to lose to put yourself in a position to get a better draft pick. When we come back, the future of the Diamondbacks off the field has suddenly become a talking point around here for lots of good reasons. Stadium. TV network, the roster. We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Tip of the cap to our colleagues and friends, Dan Bickley and Vince Murata, Sarah Cazell, Jared Carlin, for their work on Newsmakers Week. It started today. It's a tradition around here at Arizona Sports. It goes back years and years. Where usually this week, every single year, they schedule all of the top newsmakers of all of the teams here in the Valley. And I mean all of the teams. And they all come in studio and they all talk about their seasons and it's usually very informative and it's a lot that we frankly get to kind of cherry pick off of, right? We get to hear, ooh, Derek Hall said this, Bobby Hurley said that, Bill Armstrong said this. It's good. It's good content. It's good conversation and the morning show does such a phenomenal job with it as always we tip our cap to them. Today felt like a very newsy day for the Diamondbacks, a very newsy weekend for the Diamondbacks, I think. There was Nick Pecoro's report that the team would like to sign Corbin Carroll to a long-term extension even though he's only played, what, 38 games in the bigs? They, they want to get him locked up before do. it gets really expensive. I right? would do it, sure. Yeah. You, 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 you always try to... The, the, those kids can make some money right away. Like, you're a young player, you know you're going to get some money. Um, look, one of the most famous people that did that, I believe, was Evan Longoria, the Diamondbacks' current player. Didn't he do it really early with Tampa Bay? I think you're I right. did, he did a, I think he did a real super you know, early deal that locked him into a long term. I think he was one of the first young players that I remember doing that when he was with the Rays. Um, but, it, you know, you buy out some arbitration years. Maybe you get to the point where you buy out some free agency years. And so it's got to be a win-win for both. There's got to be a benefit for the Diamondbacks to do it. Um, but there also has to be a benefit for the player. The benefit for the player is like, look, even if I um, look, Kingery, the, the local kid who went to the Phillies, they did it with him. They gave him, uh, a, you know, a, a lot of money and... You know, he wasn't able to make it into the majors. He's been in the minors. He, you know, he got sent down. He has had a hard time getting back up. But they gave him a lot of money thinking he was going to be their future, I believe, second base. And it didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, Seattle, got $210 million over 12 years. He was late in his rookie season when he got that. Wander Franco, uh, 11-year, $182 million with the um, with the Rays six, after a 70-game rookie season. Six years, $24 million for Scott Kingery. Okay. Has he even played with the Phillies? Yeah, he played with the Phillies. He's in the, yeah. mi- he's in the minors. And, and, and I don't think Carroll's going to get, like, Julio Rodriguez money, but I don't think he's going to get Franco money, but he could get some money. I could certainly see why the Cardinals want to do it, so, or why the Diamondbacks want to do it. So there's that. There's Greg Schulte, our friend, our colleague, who he's going to retire at the end of the 2023 season, health concerns, and we wish uh, Greg nothing but the best. What an incredible career he's had. Yeah, and, uh, you know, hopefully the, the health is good so he can enjoy retiring. Absolutely. You you want to be able to enjoy that retirement. But then there's the stuff about the stadium. And that's why we're referencing the the Newsmakers Week, because Derek Hall was on this morning. And he basically, in an earlier interview over the weekend, said this summer is kind of decision time when it comes to the stadium. They have to figure out what they want to do. The the exact words that Hall used was that they'd like to have closure this summer when it comes to are we building a new stadium somewhere or are we renovating Chase Field? 
field. As he said this morning on Bickley and Murata, there's a lot of moving parts in that decision. It's a tough situation, and, and there's a lot of moving parts. I think all things equal, you know, being downtown makes makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. We love being downtown with the Suns. We love the fact that uh, there's so much activity now, um, you know, downtown, that many people are moving down there, that we have, uh, you know, of course, residential, we have apartments. There's excitement downtown. But uh, I think if you if you had your choice, you, of course you would love a new ballpark, right? But where does that happen? Where, who's the right partner for that to happen in Maricopa County? Hall estimated over the weekend that the cost of renovating Chase Field would cost between 400 and $500 million and would take three to seven years to do it right. properly. A little out of time. He said there were some things they could do right away, like the video scoreboard and some right. things you could do immediately. But yeah, but the, the big work would have to be done in pieces, like piece bit it, and that would take three to seven years. Whereas a new stadium, no idea where it would go. I think a lot of us suspect it'd be somewhere along the 101 corridor, right? Somewhere, somewhere by their current spring training facility somewhere. We don't know that for sure, but that's long been sort of the, I wonder if it would go there because there's a lot of space but out Ken there. Ken Kendrick owns a lot of that whole, what's it called downtown? Cityscape. He owns a lot I, of which that. Is, and that's the case to keep it like, downtown, right? That's yeah, the, because, yeah. Because that's that's his development. That's He's heavily invested in the cityscape area. So that's sort of the counter argument to building a new statement, new stadium somewhere else is that Ken owns a lot of that stuff downtown and probably wants to keep it downtown, but you, right? But you, what they can't do on the current land that they have is build the hotels and the restaurants and all because the, I think Derek mentioned that I think there was a mention in there on Newsmakers Week about that whole that's what everybody wants to do now a lot of these teams feel like the only way to truly get the revenue is to get the land the Coyotes are trying to do it right here let me get the land I could build a hotel I could I could benefit from the hotels the restaurants the bowling alley the movie theater whatever gets put in there you know the apartment buildings I could be, I'll get a piece of that yeah I, I don't know if he said it this morning but I know he said it over the weekend in which he acknowledged that's kind of where the money is at. As far as the current stadium, yeah, it can be fixed, and yeah, it can be modernized, but there is a point where they're just not going to be able to reach, and I'll let Derek explain it. I don't think you're ever going to get away from that cavernous feel. You know, right. it's, it's never going to feel as intimate as you want it to, but I think we can bring it up to, up to speed, up to code when it comes to premium locations. We just don't have them, right? We don't have the clubs that newer ballparks have. We don't have those four tops or, or the, you know, the, the private-feeling sections in the seats. We can we can create all of that. We can redo the concourses. We can we can bring that stadium to a modern feel um, if, if we're indeed going to stay there and make it look more modern, make it look more new. But as far as making it feel a little closer, you know, to one another and smaller and that huge upper level, I'm not sure we're ever going to be really ever really uh, able to address that. But I think fans are okay. They, they've got great memories there. They love it. And we hear that from fans, too. I hope it works out. I hope you can stay at Chase because my family has grown up there. I, I'm proud of that. And you said earlier, and I agree with you. That's the reason why I would. It's not my money. I'd want a new. That's ballpark. the reason why I'd want a new it's ballpark. It's a forty-eight thousand plus seat stadium. They again last minute. Jerry Colangelo decided to add about eight thousand extra seats. The, the, the Diamondbacks should play in a venue that's between thirty-eight and forty-eight, forty thousand. That's yep. what they should play. In. Yep, and it's thirty-eight times, and forty thousand with the ability during playoffs to maybe expand it by another two to three thousand. And to Derek's point, not to totally besmirch the building. I've got a lot of wonderful memories there, having done post-game shows for ten years at Chase Field. Okay. There are times when it just feels like you're playing baseball inside an airplane hangar, right? I mean, it's huge. It's just this enormous building that feels so empty on a Tuesday night in June when you're playing There's the 14, Pittsburgh Pirates. People there. Yeah, it's just, and, and that's why I don't. A new ballpark doesn't solve all of that, but certainly it would make it feel 
closer and more intimate and more like a sporting event rather than you're just there by yourself. Here's the cut you were looking for about the increasing revenue aside from just the new ballpark. We need to increase our revenues because the more we can increase our revenues, the model is it goes right back into the payroll or into mm-hmm. the experience that our fans are going to have at the ballpark. So obviously, you look at these new ballparks and you look at their mixed use. Can we do that downtown? Probably as well. Um, but you have to have more than just a standalone ballpark today. You have to have the hotel, the restaurants, the activation, uh, mm-hmm. you know, retail, restaurant, 350 days a year. So we're just kicking the tires to see where that can happen best for us. Um, and, and, but I can tell you, whatever it is, it's going to be a great experience for the fans. And it's here in Maricopa County. The revenue is the revenue is tied into the the land. If you, the more land you get, the more things you could build, office space, you're going to reap the benefits of that. You know, because it, you're you're you, you're tied to only a certain amount of money you can make when you just own a team and you have the one building right there. The money, the, the people that come in, the people that go out, like that's what you're making your money on. But you can make money when this when you're not even in season mm-hmm. if you've got a development project that has apartment buildings and restaurants and hotels that you could be making money all the time. You mentioned the Coyotes. That's where they're going to make their money off of that stadium in Tempe, assuming it gets approved. It's the apartments. It's the it's the it's the people who are sure, living there. Of yeah, that's, that's, that's where, that's smart, where the money's smart at. business people. You know, that's that's uh, one more. Um, and only because I think this is more immediately impactful than the stadium. The stadium's a big deal. This is a big deal, too. There was a report, and it's been out there for the last week or so. The company that owns Bally Sports um, missed a $140 million payment. And there's a belief in the industry that they might go bankrupt in the next 30 days. Now, this is Bally Sports Arizona, but keep in mind, this is the, Bally Sports owns like 15 or 16 regional networks that are like Bally Sports Arizona. 19. 19? Okay, that televise hockey games and NBA games and baseball games. Yep. That whole company perhaps could go bankrupt. Now, first, my thought goes to our friends who work over at Bally. And, and it's like, okay, Jody Jackson and Todd Walsh and Brett Hansen and, you know, people we know on the air, off the air. Oh, they're right? all getting their paycheck. I, I hope everything's okay. That's first and Cause, foremost. Because they do a great job. They really do a great job. But number two, if they were to go bankrupt, how are we going to watch these games, right? Like, how are we going to watch the games at the Bally Sports Networks across the country televising these regional networks? Here's what Derek said about it today, and there's a lot of nervous laughter in this cut. They will definitely be able to watch it. You know, the beauty uh, was the commissioner coming out about a week ago from his press conference here, media conference here mm-hmm. in Arizona, and he said these games will be televised. If, if uh, Diamond goes away, and hopefully they don't, Valley Sports hopefully is still up and running, um, and people are used to seeing us on Valley. If not, baseball has said they would come in for those 14 teams, or 18 if you even look at others that are in a similar position. They would produce the games and make sure they're on. My guess is, from what I heard, it would be on MLB Network. So people will still have a chance to watch these games, and of course, you can always listen to our flagship right here. Hi, there it is. Appreciate the plug, there. That's right, right here. And, and nothing against what you can capture right here, but... So but no I, worry, you can watch the games. Yeah, everybody will be able to watch the games. So if something happens and Bally's not, and they go bankrupt and they're not able to put the games on, they the MLB will make sure that the games are broadcast. Yeah, and look, the NBA will do the same thing with the Suns, and the NHL will do the same thing with the Coyotes. I mean, if for whatever, if like the doomsday scenario kicks in, and there's no Bally Sports Arizona, um, these leagues, that they will find a way to make sure you can continue to watch your games. The, the problem has become this cord-cutting thing, which is, and I call it a thing, Yeah, it's been a thing for years. 30 million people. Right. It's gone from 100 million people that had cable 
to 70 million people. They've lost 30% of their audience. So when you lose 30% of your audience, that's that's less that you could charge for advertising. Sure. So whatever they projected to pay, they probably thought they were basing it on a number of we have 100 million subscribers, not knowing that time would weed out about 30 million of them as people just as. And the other thing I said, I said this to my uh, I said this to a, 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 my wife and a, and a couple. We were, we were at the baseball games this week in our kids baseball games. What's going to happen to this whole era of people watching TV when these these, these kids of today are, are grown ups like us? They don't watch TV shows like they watch YouTube. The kids watch YouTube. Like what's gonna like when I was a kid, I watched Gilligan's Island, and I watched I loved Gia Genie and Bewitched and Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley and Mork and Mindy and Mutual Omaha's World Wildlife Kingdom, followed by Disney every Sunday night. Like I watched TV shows with my family. No kids don't. Nobody, no kid I know watches TV right now. Nobody. Define kid, because my kids my still kids, watch. My kids, it's going to be fourteen years old. My kids, nobody still watch. in his age group watches television shows. I mean, my my kids still watch shows. The, the one's twenty five and one's twenty two. They still watch shows. You know, they still they, they stream they watch them. YouTube. They watch YouTube. No, mine don't. Mine my watch kids, shows. My kids watch. They watch YouTube. They watch Yellowstone. What do you watch them on YouTube? What do you watch them on YouTube? I'm on YouTube. They're all on YouTube. Yeah. No, mine still watch shows. Might still watch shows. They're a little bit older. Yeah, I but think maybe the younger, maybe I mean, ten years you're ago. You're talking younger, younger. I mean, you're you're talking 10, like teenagers. I, I mean, my daughter's twenty two. She still watches shows, not like on traditional broadcast networks, but she still watches shows. Well, maybe she streams eight them. years ago, there wasn't as much content on YouTube. I don't know, but these kids, all these kids, they're just always watching YouTube. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, quote, what he's put on tape speaks for itself. Close quote. The new Cardinals OC on the Cardinals franchise quarterback. Next, Burns and. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Nothing. Huh. I always get a laugh out of you every time I do that. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. There's plenty Not to watch much. on YouTube, though. Yeah, plenty to watch on YouTube, right? I don't watch like I don't watch YouTube, but the kids are always watching YouTube. Like, what are you watching? YouTube. What, what's on what tonight? On YouTube. YouTube. That's what's they don't on watch tonight. it on their phones. I have a hard time watching anything on my phone. Cut those cords. Um, yeah, no, nothing's on tonight. Not at, no NBA. I mean, there's there's like college basketball. There's NHL hockey on um, locally. There's nothing on until tomorrow night when the Coyotes take on the uh, Flames at home for seven thirty. It's a quiet now. week. It is. A, this is quiet always week. yeah, quite week. Uh, right. Suns aren't in action until Friday. Only one Coyotes game. ASU U of A. Neither one of them play on Thursday. They don't play until they meet each other on Saturday. Yeah, for games, it's kind of a it's kind of a quiet week. You can watch a lot of YouTube if you want. Yes, or not me. Or, or you can get caught up on shows. You know, if you're older like us, Mitch, you still watch shows? You watch shows, don't you? Yeah, I'm watching Last of Us on uh, HBO with my roommate. Oh, the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah show. The, la- the Last of Us? That's yes, it's based off of a video show. game that was a game of the year when it initially came out. Very popular show. It's, really? It's crushing it on, in terms of the downloads and the streaming and the numbers. HBO Max has just knocked it out of the park. With that show, wow! Okay, it's like you're, you know, like I it was. I was texting Kellen about it because I was debating whether to watch it. Like, man, I've seen about every zombie apocalypse movie ever made. It's gotta, it's gotta be really, really, really good for me to watch another show about the end of the world because I feel like I've watched. 
15 of them now. I feel like the biggest difference with these zombies, though, is it's more grounded in reality than any other zombie show that has existed. Okay. Can, the reason being because it's a fungus rather than it's just like, oh, they're dead and then they just came back to life or something. Okay. Is there violence? Oh, yeah. And I know you. You you love uh, violence. I do like I'm watching that other Viking show that we... Uh Viking Valhalla, whatever the whatever the newest one is, it's, it's, I, I haven't watched season it, two of it. It's a movie about what? zombies. They tend to be violent. It was a video game, right? Yeah. Was there? I just my memory's really short. But was there like a really cool theme song when that video game came out with uh, acoustic guitars? You mean? There was. I remember the. I remember the Last of Us. Because I think I actually downloaded the song on like my spot. Like there was a cool song that came out when they introduced that game. It's it's a great overall soundtrack, just in general. Uh, it really sets the tone of what it's like to live in the that whole country. soundtrack. Yeah, from the from the TV show or the video well, game. The, it's split in hairs. It's the same thing, right? Okay. It's the same property. I just remember when they introduced when they did the introduction on it. It was really cool. Yeah, uh, is it Gustavo Santa Olala? Tomorrow, I just googled the <sighs> Last of Us sound. What is the yeah, no. Can you play it? I'll tell you. I don't. I can't play it from here. I don't know if that's what it is or not. Mitch, play it. The Last of Us. We've got like thirty seconds. Yeah, we're almost out of time. Oh darn it! (laughs) So you you play it. You play it on your. No, not now. We're done. You play it. See if that's what it is. I am going to play it because I do remember a cool, cool kick-ass song with it. It might that might be it. I don't know. I. I... This is not it. This is goodbye to you. Oh, I already forgot the name it. of the group. This is this is not it. This means we're done. We're this out of here. This is not Saga what? either, right? <laughs> no, There's no bonus today? <laughs> we're out of here. I could use bonus. See you tomorrow on Burns and Gambo. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.